It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined by one of our very favorite guests, Nation columnist Ellie Mistal. Ellie, thank you so much for being here this morning. So one of the things I wanted to ask you today was about the the latest column you have, because I've been feeling the same exact way. Um, It's called uh, I Am Not Ready to Reenter White Society. (laughs) Um, And just the anxiety that I'm feeling about having to go back to my life before, which included daily microaggressions, because I had to deal with a lot of white people that I did not know that were strangers um, on a regular basis and and ones I did know and there are microaggressions there too Um, so it's just like my I don't know if it's like my cortisol I don't know if that's the right chemical but whatever nervous system response I have which is like you're always sort of on high alert because you're like racism can happen at any moment and it does Um, that's gone away and so inside I'm just like you know cool as a clam and I don't have to deal with that so how are you working through that I mean people forget how how bad normal was right like how how not fun normal was um for a lot of people of color for a lot of women for a lot of others in the society like kind of constantly being under threat and under the under the gaze um of white people in this country is not is not fun and it's not something that I'm relishing going back to. That's why I wrote wrote my article. You know, one of my uh, I didn't put this in the article, but one of my best stories about this is you know it was I think it was after Philando Castile was murdered. Um, they all kind of run together, but I try to remember each individual, right? And and the Castile one really hit me. He was in Minneapolis, filmed um, by his girlfriend in the car with the yeah, because his kid his kid was in the car, and that's really what you know being his a kid dad. Was in the Right, driving around my kids a lot like that really like hit me. Right, so yeah. two weeks later, I'm you know I, I have a you know college friend who lives in Connecticut, and so I'm going to Connecticut. And what you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, but I'm terrified of being like stopped by the cops. Right, like even more so than usual, um, as I'm you know driving around Greenwich looking for this goddamn house. So I I I'm trying to find the house, and I'm trying to find the ways, and I'm trying to be super careful, and I run a stop sign. Because I just, I didn't, I was so, I just didn't see it. Right. And it really kind of got me that, like, you know, the chances of me getting gunned to death, you know, in the street by a cop are fundamentally small, right? They're, they're tragic and un, they're, they're unsurvivable, but fundamentally so, small. The chances of me getting T-boned because I missed the stop sign are, are quite, you know, relatively speaking, much higher. People die in traffic accidents much all the higher. time. Much higher, yeah. Right? And it just kind of, like like reminded me that as kind of bad as the 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 forces of white supremacy and the forces of racism all these forces are their their principal work is distraction their principal work is to 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 keep me from focusing on the things that are actually important that I need to do to advance my life right and so I try to remember that kind of moment of missing the stop sign in, you know, in Greenwich, Connecticut, 
so when I when I as I go into the reentry phase, right? Like I am reentering. If I'm going to reenter at all, it's going to be because there are things that I have to do that I want to do, um, and I can't let you know, I can't let these white people make me stroke out. I can't let these white people stop me from you know going to a bar with my friends, like I did used to enjoy doing. Um, so that's kind of how I'm trying to approach it. <clears throat> but you know, it's 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 a thing. It's a it's a thing that I think, you know, it's it's part of white privilege to not have to really worry about that. To not have this be really part of your, you know, equation as you're weighing up should I or should I not go do this thing. I feel that deeply. Yeah. It, I, I feel it deeply. I mean, yeah. It, it's there there's a there's a part in your piece where you talk about it's a privilege that we've had in pandemic not having to interact with bad white people. And what what I think you mean by that is like, you know, no one on, on this radio show would be like, all white people are, you know, bad and they're all doing racist things to you all the time. It's that you don't know on site. Like, and so you're just moving throughout your day and then, Oh, racism is happening to me. I now I have to emotionally process this and deal with this in the middle of my day when I'm just trying to get a bagel sandwich for breakfast. Yeah, I don't um, know when I turned into an old black man, but I know that I have <laughs> because the, the default setting is different now. Like, I don't remember the exact you know day where I went from default, that white person probably ain't trying to hurt me, to default, what's up with that white person? Uh, go over here for a second, you know. But I I don't know when that happened, but it's happened. And so when you when you meet what I call a new white person, like it, there's a moment of like, well, how this person gonna be right? Because I because I a don't good know. Witch and, or a bad witch? Right? <laughs> I get yeah. it. I don't know, and like so, it's like I'm too old to find out anymore. Like I'm too old. I'm too old to be interested in the question, right? I just want right. to just want to get my sandwich, or I just want to get my beer, or I just want to get what I'm there for. I'm, I like I'll need to make new friends, right? <laughs> so right. So yeah, I, see, I, mean, I don't not, think of this as aging for you. I think of it as like reaching your final expression of self. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is this is what you were always meant to be. I can tell. I can feel it. I always have. This is just. This is like you know when you level up at the end of the video game and then you're ready to play. Like you've just you have you have fi- you have reached your final expression of self. I think that's. I think that's what it is. You are now the most powerful you've ever been. <laughs> right. But sir, look. But to to Lena's point, like that's that's exactly it. Like you. Obviously, you know, most of my interactions with white people in my life have been positive. You know, most, you know, the majority of them have been fine. Um, but it's it's the ones that aren't that stick in your, stick in your craw. And it's the ones that aren't that you always have to be kind of prepared for because, and this is the point, folks, because the ones that aren't can kill you. Right. Like, this is not right. a theoretical kind of like, oh, well, you know, I don't want some bad feelings and some ouchy words. I don't want anybody to say the N-word to me when I'm walking. Like, yeah, I don't want that to happen either, but me, I don't want to be shot. I don't want somebody to call the cops on me and shoot me. I don't want to be shot for, you know, uh, when I'm jogging. Not that I jog, but, you know, when I'm jogging I jog, in my neighborhood. I don't want to be shot jogging. Right? I think like, about it every day. There, there are, there are, there, there is, there is a literal death sentence 
that comes with pissing off the wrong kind of white person at the wrong time. And so when I'm talking about kind of thinking about all of this uh, and, and being stressed about all of this, I'm not stressed about it in some kind of like theoretical, you know, kumbaya, I wish we could all get a long way. I'm thinking about it in a very kind of specific, like I would like to survive my outing and my errands today. Yeah, I think that's an important See, point to make because it's it. When we first started talking, people might have been thinking like, you know, that we're being overly critical or mean by saying this. But honestly, what we're saying is that you don't know on site whether um, a white person is going to be a danger to your physical safety, and it can happen at any second. And you could be sitting there minding your own business, and and that is a state sort of a being like a mental state that is not healthy to your point about sort of not wanting to um you know become ill because you're so stressed about this um but i think that that's a that's a reality that white people i don't know that they i think white women can understand right because you have it in um you know a certain uh a way as a white woman because men are a threat mm -hmm. to your physical safety and can be at any moment, right? So there's different levels to it. Um, and as a black woman, I'm like, everything's great. Everything's going great. Not only men could be white, could be could be a black man, could be a white woman, doesn't matter. But my physical safety is under threat at all times from all areas. Um, but I think it's it's critical to establish that we're not talking about necessarily microaggressions, although those are really annoying. Right. And they have an, a, an emotional impact. But we're talking about like in the next second, this white person could kill me and get away with it because they know exactly what to say to get away with it. At this point. Part, part of the reason why you notice microaggressions is because they might be the start of it. Right. You're trying to right. you're trying to right. you're trying to see the violence coming from as far away as possible so you can get out of that situation. Right. And so, that's why you're kind of have the heightened like awareness of microaggressions, because the person who, who's doing a microaggression in the you know in line in the store might be the person who's waiting for you in the parking lot with a gun right i mean or the one the... who'll call the cops on you for absolutely no reason like the, the the person who is not concerned with your physical autonomy enough not to touch your hair is the kind of person who will call the cops because you are sleeping in the dorm room where you are a student mm -hmm. um i think if, if people are having, if, if white people are having a hard, or white women, I, I don't know if I can reach white men, but if white women are having a hard time getting this, it's the guy who compliments you on the street, but you know that if you ignore him, he is going to call you a bitch as you walk by. Like, that's the microaggression. It's like, it's not just the thing, it's the threat of what comes next. And we all, like, street harassment sucks because it's not men giving you compliments on the street, and we all know that. Like, we know that's not what's happening because the second that we don't smile back at them or we don't acknowledge their compliment, they are going to say horrible things to us and maybe follow us down the street and maybe keep yelling at us and maybe ruin our days. So, like, that's it, it, in case somebody needs the empathy chip activated this morning. That's that's the feeling of the microaggression. It's it's the implicit threat that comes with it. Yep. And I'm I'm not wild about returning to that that piece of life either although i would say that the people who don't wear masks and the men who harass me 
like that 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 Venn diagram is just a total circle and they're white. So now the aggressive white men who uh, have have always been people I don't really like in real life. Now they're an actual danger to me because they're walking around maskless. And if I don't smile when they say something and they want to come yell in my face, that's a real. So I'm not sure that I'm feeling like. I only deal with previously vetted people here in this pandemic and the, the really bad ones now seem to have even more power. Although I guess you're able to keep yourself inside more to stay away from them. But have and, you encountered that in this pandemic? And well, for me, I, I'm more worried about, and, and, and no, uh, I am not being catcalled on the street much as my <laughs> stealth figure would suggest that it would happen more. Um, that has, that isn't a real problem for me. Um, I'm I'm joking. I know it's a bad thing. I'm, 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 I'm being self-deprecating. No, no, it's, okay. The, it's okay to the, laugh about it. <laughs> the, the thing that has occurred to me over the past week is that the other thing that I'm not psyched about going back to is the era of mass shootings, right? I, we, I, I forgot that yes. like, you know, when people were cooped up, they weren't like going to the store and shooting people for no reason. When my kids were cooped up going to remote school, they weren't going to real school where mass shooters might find them and hunt them and kill them. So like there, there's a whole like level, this, this, this last week has, has reminded me and brought back into stark relief that like, oh yeah, we haven't fixed this problem either. And now that people are out and about, of course the mass shooters are, out, are, are, are back out and about too, because why wouldn't they be? Um, it's, it's, that's like another level of, when you talk about microaggressions and trying to, to perceive the bad thing that's going to happen next, right? Like that, that's another thing that goes into the mix that I really haven't had to worry about for over a year. Oh man, I'm not really looking forward to going back now that we're, because I've been already anxious. I've already been anxious, but not for, not for the racism reason. Or that, you know, sort of having to deal with the racism. I've been more anxious of just having to deal with people that I'm not choosing to deal with. Because, <laughs> like, now it's very much like you're sort of, you're so, you can be so intentional. Yeah. With, We're with, misanthropic you know, even. <laughs> well, it's mainly because yeah. like, I like to be able to control my emotional state. And if I can control the people that I'm interacting with, you have some control over your emotional state because you don't have to deal with, you know, the random person who's cutting you online and yelling at you as Jess has witnessed many times um, in our, in our interactions. Mm -hmm. Um, She's like, why is the white lady yelling at you? I'm like, I don't know. This is just a thing that happens um, a lot. (laughs) I don't know why she's yelling at me, but I'm the only black person on this line. And she looked around and she was like, I'm going to yell at the black girl because (laughs) the least amount of power. Um, No, I, I I just feel like I'm going to have to mentally prepare to reenter white society that is that is i think i think a lot of us are feeling that way yeah and, and it's and it's and another reason why i wrote that particular piece is that it's it's just not a it's not an extra thing that my white friends are the ones that i have allowed into my life during pandemic um are are, are contemplating or doing with it's 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 part of the privilege right that they don't have to you know they're not re-entering they're re-entering their own society and they know it and they although they know it when you tell them, right? <laughs> when they when you force them to to think through it. Like they, they don't have that, you know, there's no there's no that there's no friction there, right? It's just like, oh, I'm just going back to I'm going but for them it's like they're going back to normal and normal was good. Right? 
mm-hmm. for me, it's like I'm going back yeah. to normal, and normal was only good sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is, is is there a way we can have a conversation, like, for the white people who are listening? And maybe you were, like, a little uncomfortable shifting in your seat. You felt a, something in your stomach, in the pit of your stomach, made you feel a little uncomfortable with this conversation because it is extremely honest. Um, but is there any message we could impart to them so that when they are going back into white society and they're reentering, they can at least be conscious of the ways in which these microaggressions and sometimes aggression aggressions happen so that they can be better allies and accomplices, bystanders, whatever. Like they can go back with this awareness instead of just like, you know, defaulting to the privileged status of not being aware, be aware that your black colleagues and your, your, your colleagues who are Asian um, are coming back with a really different reality than you are. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I guess I always try to say, Try, try to try to do what the people of color do, right? Try, try to listen to what they say and, 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 and draft off of their reactions, just like people of color have to be, you know, have to be experts in whiteness, right? Like the, the people of color have to, have to understand whiteness at a really deep level to get through the day. Right. Um, white people could do that for people of color too. They could they could spend time observing us and listening to us and not you know questioning every two seconds. Well, was that really racist? Because that's the other reason why I wrote this piece. I actually it's off of a story. Um, if you guys haven't read it, it's off of a story that happened to me over the weekend at CVS. And initially, I just posted it on Twitter, which is where I post most of my like you know non political life stories. Um, and the amount of white people were just like, well, I don't think that was really racist. I'm like, first of all, screw you. I didn't ask for your, you know, uh, <laughs> for you to give me a ruling on whether something that happened in my life seemed racist to me. Like, that, I mean, number one. Number two, do you really not get how <laughs> that, the story I was telling was, did you really not understand that? Oh, well, since I'm a professional writer, let me give you a thousand words to explain right. it. Right. But, but that's the, the, the <laughs> initial, there, there is something about certain kinds of white people that re- they, it, it can't be racist, right? They want things that are clearly racist to not be. You saw this with the shooter in Atlanta, where there are otherwise yeah. intelligent white people who are just like, well, I don't think that was racist. There's six dead Asian women. No, 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 Once you get to six dead Asian women, there is a presumption of racism. There's a right. alarm going off in my house. I might have to – I think I literally yelled the, my alarm on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I can see that. You're very passionate. But I, th- I think that to your point about, um, you know, white people sometimes wanting to weigh in on what they think is racist, like, you don't get to decide. It is not up to you, um, the person who right. is not the, the right. target of the racism, to decide whether or not you think a certain set of facts is racist. Like, no one asked you, in right. fact. And generally, white people are not weighing in to say thing, said thing is racist, if you ever notice that. I mean, pay attention. Right. <laughs> right? White people ain't never weighing in to be like, I think that's racist. I've never seen that. I've only seen white people weigh in to deny the racism. And I want you to observe that point. If a whole bunch of black people and brown people and Asian people are saying this thing over here is really racist. You as a white person, how dumb do you look coming in the room and being like, 
raise my hand. I don't think this is racist. No one asked you. It's literally like, you know, everybody of color in the room turned to you and being like, who is this clown? Like, no one asked him. No one asked mm-hmm. you, sir. So I weighing in is also a manifestation of that privilege, being like that you get to weigh in on all things. No, no, you do not. This is one area where you need to sit this one out. I get embarrassed on Twitter, on Twitter when I'm the only black person who liked a thing or who commented on it. Like, if I'm the only black person who commented on a thing that, you know, was, you know, out in the out in the ether, I, I'm like, wait, what did I do wrong? Did I, did I, miss, did I miss the memo? Like, <laughs> like I, I never want to be the only black person or the only kind of person in a group of, of, of cheering fans, right? Like, if I'm cheering for something, I want to make sure that there's some women cheering for it, too, some, some, some other people of color. You know, like, I never want to be the only one in anything. Versus I am shocked by how comfortable white people are being only themselves in a mob for justice or change or hate or vitriol. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked by that, right? Like, if, you, if you're responding to my post and you realize that you're making a comment that only other white people are making, that alone should be like a, whoa, maybe there's something I haven't seen here. <laughs> but, like, the, you, white people don't even notice when they're you, in a, a, a monochromatic group, weirdly. No, no, they really don't. This is very, like, as a white person, like, yes. Um, the number of times that you will, you will point out that somebody has 12 close friends, you had 16 bridesmaids, and they were all white. And, and the answer to that is shock, one, because you hadn't noticed. And then, two, well, it's just where I grew up. And it's just, I, I, that one drives me up the wall the inability to right? see well, the monochromatic nature of your own lives <laughs> drives me up the wall and then defensiveness right just like the, the other like well i mean what are you saying yeah. i'm just saying that you need to get out more bro is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i also it's just like of course you can't weigh in you have no idea what that experience is it's like walking into a room where people are performing surgery as a humanities mayor and being like i have an opinion about how you're doing this you don't know you've never studied it you've never lived it you have no idea like if you don't have black people in in your life then 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 just then just listen when racism is discussed talk to other white people about it (laughs) don't talk to your black friends about it no we we're very well i mean like yeah please don't talk to me about it I, I, I don't need to talk to you about racism. I'm living it. I need all, all y'all to go talk to your cousins because there's 74 million people who need a conversation, who need to have somebody have yeah. a conversation with them. And that's somebody probably related to you, just assuming, based on the demographics of who voted for who. Um, so it's not somebody related to me, although I do have white family members, so, but I, none of them voted for Trump. <laughs> to be clear um but the, but i think that you know it's it's frustrating sometimes when you, you get the responses from white people um and it's clear that they just don't want to do the hard work to try to change things like it's not they're getting the benefits and it actually would take some effort for them to be more aware of these things and that's just too much for them that's too much effort that's the part that pisses me off. It's not even that hard sometimes. It is really not that hard. I do it all the time. The thing is, black black and brown people do it all the time. I mean, I'm a straight woman. 
I do it when it comes to identities that I don't have. I do it all the time. Why can't you? I don't get that. That's the piece that I'm not sure about. You know, we're all like in this debate, this stupid, stupid, stupid debate about cancel culture, things and, and, you know, whether or not people are being canceled for, you know, being too politically correct um, or not being too politically correct. And I'm just like, when did it when did the rule become like you can just be a, a complete and total asshole and nobody's allowed to tell you so that is not the rule here you are not allowed to just be mean to everyone and say horrible things to people and no one can call you out that is not america that is not freedom i'm sorry so you're also just you're just not allowed to not notice right and that's 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 the privilege that they feel most you know that is being taken away from them that they that they cherish the most that that privilege to not have to notice or care. I I, I noticed this one during the the Dr. Seuss kerfuffle. Um, I wrote about it. Michael Harriet wrote about it. I mean, like if you have kids, you know that Dr. Seuss was a racist dude. Like you like that. You you learn that at some point. You open a Dr. Seuss book, one that wasn't one of the famous ones, and you were like, "What the hell is this?" And you learn like that. That's just an ex- that's just part of the experience of having children of color. Period. Right. So if you if the first time yeah. you realize the doctor, if you think Dr. Seuss was canceled three weeks ago, that. That says something about you and your family and your upbringing, your myopic views on the situation. Don't say anything about Dr. Seuss and don't say anything about me. Because people who have actually been paying attention have known that that was a problem for years and years and years. So that's- Dr. Seuss knew it was a problem. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he talked about it. <laughs> Ellie, um... It's uh, awesome as always to talk to you. It's a fantastic column. Everybody should check it out at The Nation. Please come back anytime. And in the meantime, um, in, you know, in, in, enjoy this version of you because it's, um, it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jess. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>